This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a platform that connects restaurants with people. Learn more at getbento.com slash opening soon. That is G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com forward slash opening soon. Hi, this is Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. And we are the hosts of Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. We listen to HRN and are actually guests on several shows before bringing our own show to this network. And it's been so amazing to see and hear the unparalleled content that comes from our community, even with limited financial resources. HRN's been making food radio for 10 years. HRN staff and hosts make it look really easy, but making the best food radio out there is actually really hard work. We're super excited to be a part of Heritage Radio Network, and we invite you to join us in making sure that in our second decade, HRN is stronger than ever. So become a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate right now. You can even show your support by selecting opening soon in the designation drop-down menu. Thanks for listening to HRN. Opening soon on Heritage Radio Network. We're your hosts. I am Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. And if you're just joining us for our first season, Opening Soon is a show all about opening restaurants. And we're here with some of the best chefs and restaurateurs and industry leaders chatting about how to take your idea to opening soon. Yeah, and if you if you know anything about our story or why we're here, if you've listened to any of our episodes before, um, you'll know that we're not very good restaurateurs. We're actually pretty <laughs> crappy ones, um, but we're we're really good at making workware. And through that, we've met a lot of great people that have started restaurants. We've seen people um, build them up from a hollowed out space to in a white box to you know a room filled with people enjoying a nice dinner. So we've we've been been able and lucky enough to see people go through the process and learn a lot. And the point of the, this podcast and the show is to be able to share their knowledge with all of you out there that are thinking about doing this on your own. Yeah, and actually our guests today are people that we've met through our business Tillit. So we actually even have an apron named after one of the chefs who's in the booth with us today, which is Stephen Satterfield from Miller Union in Atlanta, Georgia. And then we're also lucky to have John and Jill from Tail Up Goat in Washington, D.C., who we've also met through Tillit. So exciting stuff. But before we jump into the interview with all of them about team and culture, we're going to wrap up some key takeaways from last week. Yeah, and so, uh, again, a special thanks to Missy Robbins last week for coming on and chatting about design and build-out of her spaces, Lilia and Missy in Brooklyn. Um, and number one that we got from her was um, to cut, to work the aesthetic of the, the space that you take into the into the parameters of your building. So um, using some of those key details that might seem a little weird or awkward, or um, but kind of highlighting those and taking them out, whether it be exposed beams or concrete floors or things like that. Another interesting point that she had was about bringing your designer with you when you're actually looking at spaces, which Jill's nodding her head like, yes, I've done this before. Um, so Missy, you know, said that she took her designer with her to look at like some of the final spaces so that they could point out things that weren't maybe right or would cause them problems in the long run. And that was super helpful. And number three was um, was kind of all about space. So it's. Um, you know, thinking about every component that you're going to need, whether it be a changing room for your employees to space for your wine and, and to kind of do the best you can to map that out and see how that feels because 
when you're looking at a six by 10 spot on a piece of paper, it sounds really big, but then when you see it in the flesh, <laughs> it might not be quite not, as know. big as you might've thought. So, yeah. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is she's like, no matter what you fucking make it work. So that's always yeah. true too. Um, the other thing that we talked about is budget and when you have to make cuts, do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice your vision, but lean on your experts to say where you can swap materials that will keep things, you know, like budget friendly, but still within your own vision. Yeah. And the last one was that things will change. Uh, design may change some of the components of, uh, of your space, you know, whether it be light fixtures or where a plug is placed might change. But as long as you stick to your vision and, and kind of roll with it and keep it all uh, tied in, then you're going to be fine. So after our key takeaways, um, thank you, Missy, for those. We're going to talk today about something super important to our business, to every business, um, and particularly in the restaurant industry, which is team and culture. So this week is all about how to hire and train the best of the best and how to keep them from jumping ship amidst the chaos of opening and trying to retain them for as long as you can. And then once you have a team in place, what do you do to instill and maintain a culture and how do you keep your employees happy and thriving? Yeah, and again, we are joined with Stephen Satterfield, excuse me, who's the award-winning executive chef of Miller Union in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and Stephen's Southern Cuisine focuses on seasonal and local produce, um, and they've been open since 2009, so we're coming up on a 10-year mark this year, which is really, really exciting and impressive. Um, and obviously, the restaurants receive various honors, uh, including Eater, Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, Esquire, and James Beard as well. Uh, we're also joined with uh, John Seibert and Jill Tyler from, part, uh, from Tail Up Goat. Jill is a partner and service director, and John is the executive chef uh, and partner as well. And they're based in Washington, D.C., and they're a heavy Mediterranean influence, fresh and local as well. Um, we were even talking about how you only do uh, full animals now, full animal program, uh, which is really exciting and sounds like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> but they apparently have an amazing you, butcher. Yeah, an amazing you. butcher, and they also have a Michelin star as of uh, 2018, which is pretty impressive. Congrats. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for being here. No, thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. We're super excited to have you all. Um, let's jump in with you, Stephen, because you're coming up, as Alex mentioned, on 10 years, which is like, congratulations, holy shit, that's a huge milestone. It's a milestone. It is. Um, but yeah, so tell us, you know, because we're talking about opening and then a lot of people aspire to have 10-year-old restaurants. What did your team look like when you opened and what does it look like today? They looked like deer in headlights. <laughs> uh, they were terrified. As was I. Um, No, I mean, you know, opening a restaurant, your first restaurant, is a major thing in your head, you know? And so getting out of your head and actualizing what you want to happen is really important. Communicating what your intentions are, what your expectations are, are extremely important. And getting everybody on, like, that Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? Like you have to really repeat yourself a lot to the point of, um, you sound like you're, someone's pulling a string behind you and it's just coming out, but it's important. You're the one with the vision. If you're the restaurant owner or the chef or both, you're the one with the vision and you have to communicate that vision clearly to the guest, to the employee, to everybody. And so we've stuck by our guns and we've always said and done what we set out to do and that is to serve seasonal menu that changes with the seasons to have uh, a green restaurant that composts and recycles and 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 a 
a culture that's nourishing and happy. And that's, you know, we're going to spend more time there than we do at home. Yeah. So we might as well make it a family place and make it really, you know, we know every single employee. We know a lot about them. I'm the on-staff counselor. Yeah. I know. It's like, Stephen, who does HR when we were talking before? And you're like, that would be me. Yeah. Depending on which department. But yeah. And so um, it's, you know, I think now we have a very well-established team at that time. You know, in an opening of a restaurant, you do tend to go through some people until you yeah. find the right match. It's kind of like speed dating. It's dating, right. Yeah. And, and certain people make the cut and make it work. And other people don't get it or don't want to. And then you just move on to the right team. And it's Was it a change for people coming in that had been in other restaurants that had a very different team culture and then coming to your place where you're nurturing and a little bit more caring, a little bit more uh, a different way of teaching? Well, I mean, I, I will just say this. I'm firm when I need to be because it's important to set boundaries. Right, so you're really a dick behind the... <laughs> it gives us um, the impression of being a really nice guy. great hugs. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I think I think more than anything, it's it's um, it's really just about getting that right ensemble. You know, it's kind of like it's like playing music, and which I used to be in a band. And it's like, you know, it, unless everybody's jamming together, it's not going to come out right. And so you really yeah. have to have that, you know, that right fit where everyone's in concert together, and there's a lot of you know. It just, it's, you can tell when it's working. Right. And, and if, when it's not working, it's usually one person's dragging everybody down. Right. You know? And so you guys, I'm looking at John and Jill, you know, you've had your three and a half years in, in Tail of Goat. And it was interesting because I was like, John and Jill are opening a second place, hopefully in November. It's, yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, and it was funny because Jill said to me, well, I'm opening a second restaurant to keep some of my employees. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, about that and how you like grow and try to foster people. Um, we're just really lucky with uh, so much of our staff, some who have been with us since the beginning. And I think um, what we realized is we have to kind of continue to grow both ourselves, which will be kind of a new challenge because we'll be in slightly different roles um, so that we can create space for people to kind of move up with us who have been with us a while. So there are only so many, you know, manager positions in our restaurant. Um, and uh, Bill, John and I are all in kind of some of those. So once we get this new project open, we'll be opening up, you know, new roles at the new restaurant, but also roles within the restaurant at Tail Up Goat. So we'll be able to move people up and kind of grow with our staff. I think finding new and fun ways to challenge people, um, to keep them interested and, you know, focused on the task at hand is one of the hardest things of owning, you know, parts of owning a restaurant. Um, and I think, you know, with a new place, we're hoping to, you know, continue to find ways to challenge not just ourselves, but, you know, the people that have gotten us to where we are because we could do nothing without them. Right. Sometimes I feel like the best employees are the ones that are pushing themselves to learn as much as possible. And, you know, often the thought, of, at least of a young cook, is that that means working at 10 of the best restaurants for six months at a time. So how do you how do you sort of change their mind and say you can learn more and you can grow more by staying with us for one, two, five, ten years? Um, I think, you know, we at Teleco, we have so many different um aspects of what we do you know we you mentioned the whole animal butchery which is a big deal um, we make all our own pastas and breads and you know we really try to do everything from the ground up so there's always room to learn 
Um, you know, I haven't mastered everything yet, and I can't say that I think anybody on my staff has. So there's always, you know, a new, um, you know, a new room to walk into and find a new, um, you know, component of food and cooking to try to master. Um, I think that, you know, like we were just talking about finding kind of helping guide people to new roles that are right. of interest to them um, is a really important part of it. You know, I've, I've definitely had conversations with people um, on staff that have ended with maybe you should move on um, just because I know that what you are craving in your next challenge isn't maybe something that I can provide. But I think that there are so many different aspects of cooking and you know, food that it's no one on earth has ever mastered all of it. So right. as I've long had as that we're same. moving people around <laughs> enough and... I've had that same conversation of, you know, when you, you can tell when someone has their, it's honestly more of their mindset. Like yeah. if they're willing to learn, there's always something to learn. Yeah, totally. You know, if you feel like you've learned everything in the kitchen, but you still want to learn about the restaurant business, then you can learn about how to run the books or how to host the door yeah. or how to wash dishes in yeah, the we, most <laughs> efficient way. Have you like, had people honestly, take you up on those things? Have you... Well, Showing that's what, that's what I did, and when I, before I owned Miller Union, I worked at Watershed for almost nine years under Scott Peacock, right. and when I felt like I had hit a wall where I stopped learning, I would force myself to learn a different part of the business, and so I would on my day off I'd come in and and host and to yeah. see what that was all about, and I would. Were I, you a good I, host? I was. I was a <laughs> great well, amazing host. Even like, I think I was, you would be a good host. I was I'm overly asking. friendly, and I probably sat people too soon. Yeah, and the kitchen was like, "Fuck you, like, Stephen." No one went to the right like, table. But. Uh, and I, you know, I bar backed one night. Yeah. I worked with the owner in the office a couple of times, just like to to see all the other parts. And I think I, but at that point, I knew I wanted to open a restaurant. Right. Right. And and I was like, I might as well learn from them if they're willing to teach me. And they knew I wanted to open a restaurant too. And they were very supportive of me moving on and happy to show me things that they felt comfortable showing me. And it was, it was a great experience to actually ask for it. And yeah. I think that's some of, sometimes you have to ask for what you want. No one's going to, no offer one's going to yeah. offer you. Yeah. yeah. And that's I, for like ownership, employees, everything, like right. always ask for what you want and what yeah. you need. You have to be clear. Yeah. I mean, just as much as a chef or an owner has to be clear about their expectations, the employee needs to be clear about what they're trying to get out of this experience yeah. too, because it is a two way street. And yes, we hired you to do a job, but you're there to learn and no kitchen is not a learning kitchen. And if it isn't, there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, and the other, you know, back to your point too, John, about like you, we've had conversations that are like, maybe it's just better if we parted ways. And that's like, that's also something that I think is a really hard thing to do. Hard conversation. It's a hard conversation. It's a hard conversation to be, yeah. you know, from an owner perspective, perspective to be honest you yeah know, it's not necessarily the best thing for the business for me to tell somebody like hey you're doing great here but, but it is it's probably yeah. better for you if yeah. you move on um right. yeah. and sometimes it's just not a fit and i think I, somebody once told me you know like a ceo once told me like the nicest thing to do for somebody who's not a fit is to let them go so they can find their fit because you're actually being like unkind by keeping somebody in a position that doesn't work for them so i think that goes even to, if like, they're fit but they've kind of grown past, past what it, they're right? you know wanting to put in, in in your restaurant and understanding that it's time to grow or grow somewhere else right that's got to be really hard as as an owner as the chef in the kitchen who now has to hire someone else and put them through training and yeah. hope I know. that they Which fit the rest so of the team the hardest part of <laughs> yeah. training the most challenging oh part, and i've yeah. learned how to say goodbye i mean <laughs> yeah. 
I had a hard time at first, you know. Quick and easy, Jerry Maguire style. Like, yeah. today's yeah. the last day, goodbye. You know, it's like a lot of the employees you get really close with, yeah. and, and it's sad to see them go, but it's it's awesome to see them go on to do something different or new or fresh or move to another city. But eventually, like, I know everybody's going to leave. I know that the last people standing there are going to be Neil and myself. Right, you and yeah. your business partner. Because yeah. we'll do anything we can to keep it afloat, but right. we're going we're gonna to say goodbye to every single person there. Right. That's a really tough reality, and it's—I mean, but it's true. But Way it's to bring Jill's room. holding her heart. I know, out. but Jill's, Jill's crying. Jill's, right crying. Right. Jill's silent because she's choking back tears. I've just never thought about it that way, and it's totally—it's absolutely apt. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's Basically, true. Stephen just told us everybody's going to die, and everybody <laughs> will, will leave your restaurant good, yeah. or your business at some point. It's like that um, uh, Flaming Lips song. Do you realize? Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. But the you know the thing is is I guess how do you like treat people? How do you like make sure people have your vision while they are with you? And because you talked a lot about vision, and we talked a little, and you said training is like what takes the most time. So, you know, while people are with you, you want to treat them like family and like you know more or like employees who you know you grow. But what do you do to instill vision and training? Expectations, setting expectations, figuring out what your expectations are to begin with, and really knowing what your goal is. Is I mean, you have to start with you. Yeah. And knowing what you want your business to exude and what experience you want your employees and your guests to have. And really understanding kind of, that. Sorry. No, go ahead. Do you guys do any kind of like team building activities to kind of foster a relationship aside from, you know, traditional training and those kind of things? So I think we do a couple different things. I think um, one thing we do that's really different is when we were starting to think about opening this place, one of the things we kind of wanted to try to address was the disparity between front of house and back of house wages. Um, So one of the things we do that I think has been really successful is all of our cooks work four days a week in the kitchen. And then they work one day a week in the front of the house and wow. they're paid their full kitchen hourly, but they're a full member of the tip pool. So they're a back waiter that day. And I think that that has just really created a really great relationship between the front of house and back of house. Everyone has a better understanding of what's going on. Um, and it's also a way we found to kind of like bump up everyone's paycheck. Um, so that's like one of the things we did. Um, Not to mention though that the connection to the guests it's yes. so rare yeah. between back of house and the guests so yes. that to have that bridge that gap makes people seem more real and then you feel like you relate to them and you want to I think for, for cooks yeah. in particular you know getting to you know you toil away for hours and hours and you rarely get to see the end result which is not the plate it's the guest reaction to it and for them to have that experience of you know working their butts off in the morning and afternoon and night and then seeing you know somebody smile and be happy and maybe have their day changed you know because of their hard work and efforts is completely you know uh, it's it's just invaluable i think for for a cook i have a running joke because the my team does not get the privilege to get with the guest and and clear their plate or whatever but I always tell them about the smile count. I'm like, smile counts through the roof tonight, guys. Like, everybody's smiling out there. That include a good yours because I feel like it would be over. <laughs> I may have missed this, but does the does the front of house spend a day in the back? They do not, unfortunately. The kitchen is so small. It's We've small. had a couple right. people who have like um, gone back to learn a specific thing. One of our bartenders wanted to figure out how Huntley did the porgy that we serve sometimes, and like all the bones are out. So he's okay. like, "My family and I catch porgy, and I want to know how to do that." So like he came back and like spent a day with Huntley learning how to do that. Um, and then we've had some 
successful and unsuccessful um, uh, pickling parties. <laughs> well, we had like a pickling party when we first opened. We're like unsuccessful. Uh, so <laughs> ramps. Oh. It was can jam. This is completely my fault, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we told everyone can jam 2016. Come in. We'll do all this canning. It'll be great. You'll learn some stuff, and then we'll have pizza and beer. Um, and then everybody showed up, and I had a hundred pounds of dirty ramps for them to clean. And that oh was my it. god! And they were like, <laughs> oh, "This is great. Like, this yeah. is not this fun. Is not fun. <laughs> this isn't fun." Yeah, that was a never. Again, Welcome we learned from that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, this is the hardest work we've yeah. done. I thought this was fun. Dirty ramps, not fun. So, note to self, not a good team building activity. Hey, it depends on what the ramps. soundtrack is. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had a really um, fun, for like, after holidays, we did a staff party this year, and we did a white elephant gift exchange. Um, and we bought all the gifts, so they didn't have to bring gifts. But it was actually really... Is that the one where you steal each other's gifts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so there yeah. was a big pile of presents. Some Everyone picked a number. Dirty Santa. Um, it was really, (laughs) really fun. And everyone, it was just like a really fun thing that was surprising how much fun everyone had with it and the stealing and the whole team was really into it. (laughs) Got competitive. Competitive. I'm sure. Steven, do you guys do any sort of, uh, team building activities outside or? You know, um, I think when you hit your 10th year, you don't really want to hang out with anybody from work. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry guys. Uh, We spend a lot of time together, but you know, I, I, I know that some of the team gets together socially on, we're closed on Sundays and that's the day for like the folks from the workplace that want to hang out together can. Right. And, um, I know Neil, my business partner, and he's the general manager, the wine director, the plumber, the bookkeeper, um, the light bulb changer. He is hosting a party at his house on uh, June 23rd, and I'll, I'll read out the address so That's everybody great. listening can go. <laughs> yeah. Go to Neil's but, house um, on June 23rd if you're in Atlanta. And he's, he invited the entire staff to come, plus oh, cool. all of his friends or whatever, and he's he's just going to like raid the cellar. And, and how big is your team now? Uh, our team is 48. That's 48 big, people. Yeah. And how many, and you have 160 seats. 140. 140. It depends on the weather because it's patio or not right. patio. And and Jill and John, you guys have how many? We have 66 seats in the dining room and then another uh, 16 at the bar. And you guys and how have many people? how many employees? 53. 53. Yeah, so these are not small staffs. So I mean, Steven's more efficient than us, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 10 years, so. And takes time. Takes, takes time, time, John. Um, tell us about like some of the... Um, you guys have like uh, employee handbooks, packets, things like that that you use. Are there you know some things to keep them uh, trained and complying with sexual harassment issues and things like that? We have a full full on employee handbook um, that you know everybody gets as they walk in. Um, you know, pretty pretty basic, straightforward stuff. Yeah, it kind of goes over, like, all the rules about working at Tail Up Goat, all the big, like, federal things you want to make sure people understand, and then kind of has some of our more, like, you know, how we handle allergies, how we, like, it's kind of, like, pretty all-encompassing, both from, like, yeah, the all the, like, you know, don't bring drugs to work, this is appropriate behavior, this is not appropriate behavior, and then, like, things personal to the restaurant, too. So that gets emailed to everyone. We have, like, all the new hire stuff, and that's something that gets sent to them. Or they can have a hard copy, too, and we get a signed copy back. And by the way, if you do have an employee handbook for those people who are listening, you are supposed to have legal review for your state compliance. Just yes. Just FYI. And we did 
Yes. Yeah. We, so we spent, to... we kind of overhauled it this year with, um, uh, a lawyer. Yeah. It's build it into your business plan because it gets expensive. But another thing to talk about is those employment lawyers technically should review your employee handbook. And it's definitely worth doing. It was like a commitment of funds to redo it. um, But it just seemed like the best thing to do. And it's just a really good idea to have and make sure everyone's kind of on the same page. page. Yes. And Stephen, you said you don't have an employee handbook technically. It's still in uh, the <laughs> 11th <laughs> draft. It's going to be the biggest um, employee handbook ever. <laughs> uh, we, you know, it's something that we build into our training. So yeah. we just really have, we instill our values in, in the training sessions. But yes, it's something we're working on. It's okay not to have one yeah. too. It's not a, like a requirement. Um, but it's just interesting to hear the different, you know, what people do and don't do. Um, I think we're going to take a super quick break to hear from our friends at Bento Box, and then we'll come back with some more interview. In the Garden District neighborhood of New Orleans, co-chefs and real-life partners Kristen and Michael serve contemporary Southern cuisine in a historic two-story building. The restaurant was built in the late 1880s and has been a grocery store and an auto parts store that contributes to its vintage look and feel. Michael took over the space in 2008 and opened Coquette. Coquette is celebrated for its vibrant menu, historically elegant interior, and Southern hospitality. Bento Box helped them build an online image and beautiful new website that highlights their award-winning team and displays open employment opportunities for people who want to add to its rich history. Coquette is one of 4,000 restaurants that's powered by Bento. Visit getbento.com slash opening soon to learn more. All right, welcome back. Uh, Again, we're joined with uh, Jill Tyler and John Seibert of Tail of Coat and Stephen Satterfield of Miller Union. Um, A couple wrap-ups from the first half is um, the key points that I thought were really interesting is that uh, Stephen said that your team is kind of like a band and being in harmony is really important. Oh, that was a Um, good quote, Stephen. I didn't even catch that. (laughs) (laughs) Sneaky like that. Um, Number two is that uh, for the the cooks in the the front of house, whoever's in the learning position of being an employee, that there's always something new to learn. And um, I thought it was really interesting as well that Stephen had gone... Um, uh, sort of beyond and said, look, I, I'm, I'm planning to open a restaurant. Can I peek in on the books? Can I peek in on how to be a hostess and a bartender and all those different things? And again, that's not something that's going to be handed to you or just offered to you. That's something that you need to approach your, your owners and your bosses and say, can I do this? And I would imagine that most people would be willing to let you come in and do that. You know, unless you're have a real knucklehead then you might be like you're not there yet buddy um number three is that I, I thought you know john said that it was really interesting is um aside from them letting their cooks kind of get in the front but that they were able to see the end product um which from a cook's mind is often the plate it's the plate of food that goes out and that's not really the end product the end product is how the guest p- perceives it and how that they're affected by it um i thought that was really really neat do you have a? Do you guys have an open kitchen? No. Yeah. It's fairly open. It's not, you know, U-shape in the middle of the restaurant bar style or anything. But there's you can you can see it. You can mm-hmm. see me. You can see everybody you. else back there. Hopefully <laughs> smiling. Yeah. And ours is uh, um, there's an opening to the dining room. So it's basically yeah. if you're on your way to the restroom, you can yeah, see straight in the kitchen. Right. 
the best part is when people are walking out of the restroom and they're on their phone texting and they walk right into the kitchen. Into the kitchen, you're like... <laughs> they're like standing by you, me. You I'm like, hi. <laughs> Can you take this to table nine, please? <laughs> I need a runner. Hands. <laughs> no, I love that. We talked, a lo- we talked a lot about, obviously, what kind of person you're looking for. But let's go before that. How do you find how do you find new people? Do you use these new um, services that are amazing, like culinary agents, or are you on uh, Craigslist? Are you asking your cooks for their friends' names? For or? us, it's pretty much everybody is friends of friends. Um, yeah. You know, I think you know the hardest part. You know, why we're all talking about this is finding good people and how right. you keep them and all that. Um, and I think once you do, you they tend to breed other great people. And most of, I would say 99% of our hires are, you know, a friend of a current employee that needs a new position and that's great. comes to us through that. That is the best way. I mean, that's a testament. And it's keeping it in the family, keep, you know? Yeah. And John yeah. was actually, you were saying before while we were having lunch that you actually had another chef refer people to you because they were losing one of their good employees due to scheduling conflict. Yeah, and that's like, you know, in that particular case, it was gentleman I've mentioned a couple of times, Huntley. Um, and it was the, they love you, it's Huntley. the biggest, we love him so much. <laughs> and his daughter, Wynn and his wife, Ashley. Um, Where's Huntley? yeah, it was, the, it was, I know, uh, it was the, like one of the biggest compliments I've ever, you know, received as in my professional life was this gentleman, Peter in DC, who I just respect so much. And he thought enough of me to send somebody that I know he loved and cared about my way was just a very special moment for me. I just had a very similar thing happen. A restaurant in Atlanta closed and the owner uh, emailed me and he said this guy was their best cook and I know he's looking for a place if you're hiring. And I emailed him immediately because we're always looking for people, you know. And um, I think he started with us um, yesterday. Oh, really? So his first day was yesterday. I was was cooking at the Beard House, so I I wasn't there to greet them. But um, it's funny, when people come in the kitchen, I personally give them a tour if I'm there and I always start at the dish pit and how to treat the dishwasher and how to separate your trash and like all the things that we care about that's like the first thing I always tell people. When I, when I cooked in your restaurant with you, that was the first 15 minutes of my day there. So you yeah. teaching Wait, me you how like, to use your trash. Were you stodging <laughs> or you like came to do like an event? No, we, we, were, doing like a, we were doing a dinner together uh-huh. and I was going to be prepping some stuff in his kitchen. And he was like, I got a full on tutorial on, on where the compost was. Uh-huh. <laughs> then he melted some paper cups for me so that I could see that they were very compostable. <laughs> <laughs> so go, so go um, see Steven to learn tips about uh, composting. Well, and it's funny, I also tend to rely more on the um, friend of friend uh, network for yeah. cooks but you know sometimes you can't you tap out on their friends right um, but recently we've had a big turnover in the in the dishwasher area of the restaurant and that's a really important job and I, I, I was telling somebody last night I've been tempted to make it the most highly paid position in the restaurant it's because I want it to be desirable. Like it's it's yeah. hard to get good people that are willing to do that job. We're busy, and it's a messy job, you know. And it's a long long hours. And what about the cycle in the same way that you guys do the the front of house, back of house? The one of the first restaurants I worked in, in St. John, was you had to do a day as a dishwasher and four days as a cook. And it, aside from you know building team unity, you really learned what that person was going through and as a cook you had a whole lot more respect for the dishwasher and you might than, not dirty five things yeah just you know throw stuff yeah. in there when you go in or yeah. right, right. you're more respectful of like yeah know. 
I don't know. But there was one day where... That doesn't happen in our house, though. It's like, I'm the dishwasher and Alex is the cook and he uses every fucking pot in the house. And I'm like, you're killing me. I know. Ben, Ben's always trying to tell me not to cook at home. Uh, but there was one day where AM dishwasher uh, called out. His wife is in the hospital or something. There was nobody that was available to come in. And I went in and washed dishes for lunch. And I was like, God damn it. Did you have to use that twice? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just I washed that. I just washed that. But this is, I mean, and that's also about being a business owner is like you mentioned, Neil, your business partner's changing light bulbs. You're washing dishes. I mean, that's like, it's, it's a glamorous it's, it's life. The glamorous, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, we're like scrubbing the toilets in our office sometimes. Cause the, you know, but it's not, it's running not around a whole filming podcast. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you can't ask anyone to do something you wouldn't do. Exactly. That's, like, a that's huge just not okay for culture. You know? And so it's really important to step in, in those moments and sometimes really gross moments, you know, something really gross has to get cleaned up. And I only feel good cleaning it up. And make your staff appreciate you more and work harder yeah. for you, seeing that you're there willing to get dirty and do those things, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Well, but, and the thing is, you can ask people to do things you wouldn't do, but that's not a good It's not a good move. example. And yeah. I've worked for people in the past that have done, you know, that would not take make the sacrifices that we make as business owners, and they expect everybody to do the dirty work. And I think it's important to get your hands dirty and show them that you're willing to do that work too. But that's the most motivating thing you can do is to show them you're willing to work just as hard, if not harder. Right. Cool. Should we move on to lightning round? Yeah. We like to do a little fun, little one word answer around, um, still based on team and culture and all these kind of things (laughs) and a little bit about just ownership. So we'll jump right in. Okay, uh, one word that describes how you feel about being your own boss. Stephen, we'll start with you. Bossy. 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 All right. Whoa. <laughs> John, Jill. Oh, proud. That's a new one. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the same thing. Aww. Um, Aww. Now you know why they're partners <laughs> in life and in business. You don't have to say uh, something. And occasionally that. overwhelmed. Okay. If we're going to be honest. Overwhelmed. Yes. yes panicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be uh, for Stephen, longest running team member. Vince Landy, the bartender. And how He's how been there years? since day one. Since day, day one. one. And we had, we had a dishwasher that um, was with us for nine years. Okay. Wow. Enrique. He moved back to Mexico. But he was with us since day two. Because wow. on day one, he didn't see the restaurant because there was no sign, and he kept writing the lesson. <laughs> he went all the way to the end of the, the line. <laughs> he ping-ponged trying to find the job. Oh, that's so sad. You yeah. did the dishes on the first day. I did. Oh, <laughs> there you go. You're like, I'm trying to cook. and so I'm going to become a professional. I want to be the James Beard Award winning dishwasher. <laughs> there should can, be a category for a that. Category. I would actually James like Beard? to nominate yeah. myself for that. So. That is hilarious. And you've had, you said you have several employees who had been with you for nine years or so. Yeah. Um, and our pastry chef is eight. Our dining room manager is eight. One of our servers is eight years all this month. That's amazing. And yeah. You guys are three and a half year old restaurant. Yeah, we're three and a half. Tara, who's like my right hand, has been with us since day one. She came on as a server and quickly got promoted to a manager. And then Dan, one of our bartenders, has been on since like week two. He didn't. Yeah, I think he like started training when we opened. And then we had some staff that was like training in our apartment, something I'm also excited not to have to do again. Training in your apartment. Mm -hmm. Our first employees literally were, we had five employees who worked in our our apartment (laughs) for a year before we got our first office. 
Talk about a hiring challenge. For Tillett. <laughs> yeah, for Tillett. Yeah, I remember that. You, oh, I remember that. You, you came I came over? in the early years. <laughs> yeah, like, Steven's OG. He's like, why are they making aprons in their house in New York City? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Um, cool. So this is what I find when, just a little quote here. You are a world-renowned traveling speaker on the power of creating a great team culture. Give us your one-line motivational quote. A lot of sighs and gasps over here. Is. Um, I don't know if it's motivational, but it's always the thing I think about when hiring and when trying to figure out what the right step is or the next step or who to pick and who to hire. It's just like kind and smart, right? Those are qualities you cannot teach to anyone. Those are like inherent parts of someone's being. And I think if you start there, you just have like such a great roadmap for moving forward. Anything is teachable past that, but kindness... You know, it's just who someone is. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. That's a good one. I was going to say, do it with passion and do it because you care. Yeah. If you don't care, I don't really want you to be part of the team. You'll it's never so be true. a good employee. You'll never be a good care. employee. Yeah. You, you, you have to have passion and you have to care about what you're doing. And if you do, then it will naturally evolve into a great place. Yeah. And that's like one of the other things that you know people said to me when I was going, when I was in business school was like, you want employees who care about your business almost as much as like you do and those are the people so it's like showing that you care and those people will go on it's the hardest (laughs) thing to find it's like i didn't say it was easy but it but it also those are the people get opportunities and end up being their own great leaders you know right i think for us it's been one of the reasons like i am the one who kept trying to quit restaurants like after i graduated college i was like i'm not supposed to do this thing anymore and i'd like i quit you yeah Yeah. and i'd like (laughs) get a nine to five job and then i'd be working one night a week and then two nights a week and then i'd go back to it and then i get another nine to five job and i think for us the important thing in kind of creating culture has been trying to create some of the benefits that you would see in a nine to five and i think that's been a really important thing and i think a lot of people are doing that i don't think we're alone in that but I think that is a really exciting part about where we're going as an industry and what a lot of people are doing. Cause it just, it can be a career. It doesn't yeah. have, I felt like I always was apologizing or making excuses for why I was there. And so creating a space where other people don't feel the same need to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there used to be this thing where like only like the three Michelin starred restaurants were like career places for people front and back of the house. And I think that's definitely a culture has changed with that. And I think people are investing and in training their employees front and back of house to change that culture, which is amazing. We have career servers for sure. Like we have some servers that are entering into their early fifties. This is what they do. They're very good at what they do. And they have found a home that they feel comfortable in. They know they're not leaving, you know, and, they, I mean, they will probably leave us at some point, too. Hopefully I know, Steven, stop with that. But hopefully, honestly, hopefully they're going to retire. Right. You know, from from serving. And and, it, and Million is the last stop. And I'm very proud of that because I, it's like, what, is they, what do they say about the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta? It's where strippers go to die. <laughs> Millions where <laughs> servers go to die. <laughs> I don't think you want to die. Like, I'm just kidding. That's what, <laughs> that was a really bad PR. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Claremont Lounge is a very famous place. Steven's in PR manager is at the back of the room <laughs> crying right now. Damage control. Sorry, <laughs> no, but we have great servers that have they're they're very well seasoned. And they know their wines. They know how to take good care of people. And people like and your guests probably come back for those people they too. Love them. I mean, that's they like Galatoire. Yeah, I swear yeah. God, they do. Yeah, it's like, great. Sitting, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want in a ten-year-old totally. restaurant, and that's also what creates the culture for your guests. Exactly. Like your guests feel that love. Yeah, they know events. They know 
Princeton, yeah. you know, they know John, like they know all those people. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I was going to kind of piggybacking on what Jill said. You know, my, one of the things I, one of the, you know, lines I use with my cooks a lot is, you know, make me understand what you love and why you are here. Show me like through your actions and your words, you know, what motivates you? What, what inspires you to be doing this insanely difficult job that will never pay you as well as, you know, the lawyer that's working the same amount of hours that you are, that's making a hundred times more than you ever will. Um, yeah, make, make me understand what you love. That's the way, you know, everybody should live. Yeah. Do what makes you happy, right? What about, what's your most frequent turnover position? Dishwasher. <laughs> right. Stevens. As of late. <laughs> As <Yeah>. of late. <laughs> We've been really, really lucky in our hosts, um, but everyone has kind of hit a new life milestone yeah. in the last, like, couple months, and almost our whole host team is turning over. Um, and I'm really excited for everyone and what they're going on to do and the moves they're making. But so like right now it's hosts. We're like hiring like five new hosts, which is something we haven't done in a long time. Yeah. Host. Oh. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. Same restaurant. Same restaurant. Um, tell us the, the most exciting, I, I know hiring is hard, but the most exciting or best part of hiring. I like getting to people upside. to talk about themselves and what they've accomplished. And you can learn so much about somebody in the first five minutes. You really can. I, I usually make up my mind within five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't um, get to minute six with Steven, then, <laughs> then you know. Like but I also, I also think that there are people that are good interviews and they don't perform yes, well. Yes. And so hard. it's the, the imperative part is getting them into the environment and seeing how they do in a trial. And that to me is the, the thing that tells Are there specific questions or things that you look for in that, in those first five minutes that can tell you? I like to ask why somebody left their previous jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then if, when I check references, I see if the stories add up. Yeah. Um, a lot of times there's two sides to the story and what the former employee employer says is different from the, from the potential employee, but when they match up, even if it's negative and it's forgivable, then you can see that as a learning, like they, they learned something from that experience and they're t freely talking about it. How long do you do a trial for before you're like, okay, this, this is a good fit. Usually just one shift, just one shift, unless it's a, um, important position, like a sous chef that yeah. might be more like a week. It's hard to find more than one day to have somebody coming and hanging yeah. out True. because when you have somebody staging, it's, you know, that's pretty much your entire day, you know, dedicated day off. to that person yeah. Yeah. And or your day off. And Most that, likely they have another job. So they're on, they're coming on their yeah. day off. Yeah. Yeah. What you can expect. I was going to say one of my favorite things about, you know, interviewing new people is, you know, you have to give a spiel about what you are and what you're doing. And every time you do that, it kind of forces you to reevaluate who you are and why you're there. And I think that, you know, every time I interview somebody, I, it kind of, you know, forces you to refocus on the things that, you know, the, the goal and the expectation that you're setting again. Um, and I kind of really appreciate that opportunity to say the words out loud one more time, because just, you know, literally saying why you have this restaurant and what your aim is, um, helps so like to just like remind, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I really enjoy that part of that process. That's so important. I think that's something that I 
we've sort of tried to refocus on as we've grown our team and our team has, you know, some people have moved on for life changes and things and we've hired new people on is like, you have to remind them of where you started and why you started so that they understand your culture. And it's so true. It's like, you feel like, oh, people just know this, but no, they don't. You really do have to like always be talking about your culture and where you started and why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, that's like what I said at the beginning. Part of owning a restaurant or running your own business in general is you repeat yourself constantly. Constantly. It's so true. (laughs) Whether you get tired of listening to yourself or not is a different story, but it is important to completely repeat everything all the time and you and you can't not do it or it starts to fade yeah it's the big you forget what your whole purpose is all right uh hardest part of hiring sometimes you just make the wrong choice yeah you know it's like someone seems like a good fit in a stage and then they get in there and they're not who they were when they tried out i don't know i i think that happens sometimes yeah you know the the hardest part though is dealing with people that don't show up <laughs> like you, you, you schedule an interview or a stage or both. This is not dating on Tinder, people. They, Do not they ghost. They don't. <laughs> so or they'll reapply. <laughs> I've had people not show up for interviews and eight months later apply for a position again. Yes. I'm like, this name, I know this name. Yep, and I totally. Google my inbox I and know. I'm like, you didn't show up for your interview. It's so It's hard rude. to keep track of everybody. There's so many people that don't show. It's, yeah. it's a running joke now. Like, you know. We would start taking bets on if the stage will show or not. And I don't understand what's going on. Don't say yes. It's You're wasting people's time. Exactly. Yeah. So here's what I every, do now. Every restaurant industry in every city is very small. Everyone will yeah. know you. And yes. like, <laughs> But this isn't just that. a restaurant industry problem. It happens in our business, too. It's like people are supposed to come in for an interview, and they just fucking no-show on it. So let me I'm tell like, you what oh. I start doing now. And I, just to make sure that I wasn't dropping the ball. Yeah. I... After I schedule them, I send them a detailed email, confirmation email, with where to show up, where to park, if they're driving, what to wear, what to bring. That's and, above and beyond. That, I know. Like the stages I did, I walked in like well, see, scared that I was... I do it now because I feel like there's, after that call, if they aren't good at planning, right. they're not going to remember. I don't know. So... I, and then I'll say, this time is reserved specifically for you. If you cannot make it, please call us within 24 hours. Yeah. You should take a deposit. I know, right? $50 deposit if you don't show up. <laughs> you don't show up. <laughs> You're wasting time. It's That's time true. you could be interviewing somebody who is a good fit for the position. That's, yeah. to me, why it's so right. infuriating is because it I like to those wait time another week to, find right, to find the right person. Nice and candidate. Yeah. yeah, so that's why it's like you're being unfair not to the business, but to other candidates that could be like interviewing at that time. And I, I appreciate it when people show up early for an interview, but when they show up an hour early, that's a disruption. <laughs> My biggest pet peeve when you show up 30, 45 minutes early for an interview, I'm just like, I, am I going to seat you in the dining room and let you sit there and watch me and awkwardly? Or, yeah. yeah. So be, be five on to time, early, five to 10 minutes. Yeah. Five minutes Don't is be late fine. or you, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um, what's the most valuable candidate? What's the most valuable quality you find in a candidate? Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Absolutely, hundred percent. Intelligence. Yeah. Enthusiasm yeah. and intelligence. What do you think is the easiest quality you can teach? Are we do a <laughs> lot of teaching at the restaurant. Um, our third partner, Bill, is like should have probably been a professor in another life. Um, but he takes on wine stuff in such a huge way. I think anyone on our staff could probably, whether or not they believe it on the front of house side, go in and like be a psalm at a lot of other restaurants. Um, and so I think that is the thing that we spend the most time teaching and just, sorry, totally lost my train of thought where that was going, but 
No, that makes yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So like wine. No, that wine. is I I see that at Miller Union as well. Um, we spend a lot of time on wine education, and I see the most growth in our employees in that area because that's it's such a vast area that you can almost never stop learning. Mm-hmm. And I mean, same about food, but I think, you know, we have a developed style of food that you, once you kind of learn it, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I'm not going to recreate the wheel, you know, but with wine, there's, it's like, uh, there's so many things to learn. And I love learning peripherally from the front of the house and being around that without actually having to be tested on it. (laughs) I love it. You're like, ha ha, you guys have to be tested on it, but I don't. Um, What is your biggest oh shit moment? This is the last one. It can be oh shit, like that sucks that that happened or it could be like, oh my God, I can't believe like, oh shit, that just happened. It's so awesome. When when we hit 50 employees, we were like, oh shit. In a good or bad way or both. And we have (laughs) people who rely on us Yeah. and responsibility, 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 and terrifying. Yeah. I think it's when we got to host former President Barack Obama. And uh, oh, that's shit. That's big. amazing. Yeah. That and is pretty huge. Yeah. And, his and the wife. first lady. And the first lady. The first lady came in first. This is my favorite story. <laughs> oh, my God. And then she came back with him for an early Father's Day dinner. And she walks in cool, calm, collected. She is everything you could imagine. And she just kind of hooks her thumb behind her and says, I brought a friend and points to him. <laughs> and the entire on. staff was just... You I guys don't had no idea that he was going to be there? <gasps> and to have just, like, created some... Again, it's, like, something you can't even, like, really dream about. But and then it happens, the, and you're like, this is... the whole place swarmed with Secret Service yeah, immediately? Yeah, they didn't, like, come in and do a sweep or anything yeah, before. It was just... It was it was one of those moments you can't even, like, comp- think to dream that it could happen, that just people you idolize. And there have been a lot of those kinds of moments with right, all sorts of different DC, people. But, but yeah, it's so. just... It was, I don't know, one of the coolest <sighs> moments I think I've had. I think the biggest oh shit moment for us at Miller Union was when the fire alarm and sprinkler system went off <laughs> for no matter. reason on a oh Saturday God. night at 8.30. Oh, no. <laughs> now, the sprinkler didn't go on inside the restaurant. It was going off outside on the building, but the fire oh, alarm no. was going off, and it's the most ear-pinching yeah. sound you could possibly hear. Repeatedly over and over and over again, and we bought everybody's dinner because we felt so bad about it. Yeah, and it was like, oh shit, we're gonna have to handle this. I know. What did you do? We 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 bought everybody's we bought everybody's dinner that was there and apologized because it was they had to sit through thirty minutes of a fire alarm. It was unex. I mean, it was unacceptable. Yeah, (laughs) and also beyond our control. control. (laughs) Yeah. So right, we, bit, we bit it on that one. Yikes. Cool. Um, so one of the last things that we'd like to do is just give out some shout outs to um, people that we know that are opening soon. So um, what do you got, Jen? Well, first of all, we have some people in the room who are opening something sort of soon or this year. That's soon yeah, enough. November. So it's soon enough. November Revelers Hour will be we, coming. We hope November. We hope. DC. Right. DC. Right, right across from the Line Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to be in D.C. later this winter, please check them out. Um, we just had lunch with our friend Michael, who owns Coquette from New Orleans, and they are opening Thalia, which is their second restaurant in Irish Channel. It should be opening, he says, hopefully before July 4th. So go see him and Kristen if you're in New Orleans. And um, I think they're splitting it up. He's going to 
hold down he's Coquette, like, and she's going to... All right, so go see Kristen. Go see them both. <laughs> yeah, go to go Coquette and also go to Valia. They're yeah. delicious. Yeah. Um, super talented people, so definitely go support them. Uh, Fat Radish, who are friends on Orchard Street, just opened in Savannah. Saw that. That's their second on restaurant on MLK. Yeah, that's my hometown. Oh, you're from Savannah? Yeah, that's right. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, so go see them if you're in the Savannah area. And then our friends um, from Submarine Hospitality are, have opened Sequoia in Portland. So that's um, Joshua McFadden from Ava Jeans and Tusk, his, their, his fourth restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And we also just had lunch with our pals from Long Oven who opened last year. Yep. They're Richmond, just, Virginia. They're just about hitting a year. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're fantastic. Cool. And we all cooked at the Beard House together last night. They did. That's why we have our first out-of-town guests. We're so happy you're here. So if you're <laughs> cooking at the Beard House, hit Alex and I up to come on the show, too. That's a tip. Yes. Um, also, I just realized that people are going to come into Miller Unit and pull the fire alarm <laughs> to try to get a free dinner. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that to Stephen or other guests. Um, okay, so that's, that's it for today. But uh, next week, tune in as we chat all things expediting. Permitting and liquor licenses. So that should be super exciting. We've got uh, Robert Bookman, Esquire, and he's one of the um, one of New York City's top authorities on the regulatory agencies that oversee the hospitality industry. So there should be a whole lot to learn from him. Um, if you have questions for him specifically, I'm, I'm sure he can answer on your market if you're not in New York as well. Um, special thanks again, Stephen, John, and Jill for being here. Um, if your line cook stole your Sharpie and notepad, we've got your back. You can check our blog on tillitnyc.com to catch a wrap-up of key points from today. Uh, can you guys tell everywhere to find you on the social? Uh, at Miller Union ATL, at Miller Union Chef. At Tail Up Goat. I'm glad Jill's here because I actually didn't know the answer to that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And follow us uh, and the journey on Heritage Radio. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere else you get your podcast. And don't forget to follow on Instagram at We Are Opening Soon and at Till at NYC. And that's it. We're out. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, so guys. much fun having you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.